Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This episode is from the Rethinking My Life series, and it is called Defeating Discouragement. Hey, if you got your notes out, I want to clear something up, make sure we're on the same page before we really get going, because uh, the title of our lesson today is uh, Defeating Discouragement, and so I want to make sure that uh, you understand that we're not talking about depression, because there's a difference between uh, discouragement and depression. I mean, if you're depressed, obviously uh, you're, you're discouraged, but just because you're discouraged doesn't mean that you're depressed. I mean, when we, look, we talk about uh, being discouraged, we're usually talking about a lack of confidence, um, a, a lack of uh, passion or enthusiasm, but you're still participating, you're still in the game. So for instance, um, if your team is down 20 points at halftime, that is discouraging. Or if you're a Cubs fan and we've lost the last three games, that's, that's, dis- <laughs> that's discouraging. But the thing is, there's still plenty of season left. At halftime, there's still plenty of game left. You're still participating, all right? But depression, um, that's, that's different. Uh, it's more than just sadness. Um, you you're may not be participating at all. If you showed up for the game, um, physically or mentally, you're out of the game. And so that's not what we're talking about today. There is a difference. Uh, they're not the same thing. Some people struggle with depression. We know that. But everybody fights discouragement. It's something that we face, especially if we're a follower of Christ, because Satan is constantly trying to keep us, to, to, to discourage us from following Christ. And when, when you're losing that battle, which, which seems like almost every day, you can get so discouraged because there's these voices, whether they're in your head or they're at work or they're at your home, telling you that you can't that you are not good enough, that nobody cares. And so essentially what I want to look at today is how a follower of Christ fights through the daily funk. So there in your uh, introduction, let's make sure that we understood what the pastor said. That's fighting through the F-U-N-K, okay? Don't, uh, don't accuse me of saying something else this morning. But all of the books of the, out of all the books of the Bible, when it comes to getting help, um, from, uh, from God uh, to fight through discouragement. I would say Psalms is the, is the uh, best resource, whether you're depressed or discouraged. Uh, there's just so much to help you fight through that discouragement. There in uh, your notes, for example, Psalms 42.5. It says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Do you ever catch yourself asking yourself that? Why? Why you're down, why you're, why you're so discouraged. Sometimes the answer is easy because maybe you lost your job, um, you were overlooked for a promotion, or maybe you asked somebody to marry you and they said no, that's discouraging. But sometimes you wake up and you're just discouraged for, for no reason. Or am I the only one? Am I the only one that occasionally I just wake up and there's this cloud that I can't seem uh, to shake, and I just don't feel like facing my day. I mean, I, I ask myself, why? And like, what, what was wrong with me? Am I just a weak sister today, or what, what is going on with me? 
Maybe, uh, maybe uh, like millions of other people over this past year in this world, we've looked at our uh, society, our culture, and what's going on with the pandemic, the politics, and the divisiveness, and you find yourself discouraged. I mean, think back over this past year. How many times did you look at, the, look at our world, our community, our culture, and you're just disgusted? You're just discouraged. Maybe you looked up to heaven and you're asking, Lord, what, what are you doing? Why, why, is this, why is this going on? When are you going to do something? I can't take it any, Lord. I can't take it any longer, Lord. Do something. Have you been there? Have you said that? Have you, have you prayed that prayer? I think every generation that's ever lived has, has uh, prayed that prayer. In fact, um, if we look throughout the Bible, you can see the different generations who did the same thing. They got to the point where, Lord, why, why are you letting this evil persist? Why does it seem like good is losing? And we cry out to God to do something. One example of that is the Old, uh, Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, not just because his, his messages were mostly messages of doom, but mostly his messages weren't listened to. And as a preacher, if nobody listens, that's discouraging. So pay attention today, please. <laughs> but a lot of his message seemed to fall on deaf ears. But he got to a point early on as a prophet where he looked at, at what, what evil was out there and bad just seemed to be winning and good was not. And he cried out to the Lord. He says, Lord, why don't you do something? How long are you going to let this go? And look at the Lord's response there in Jeremiah 12. He says to this, he says, so, Jeremiah, let's, let's bring it down a notch, Jeremiah. He says, if, you, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits about you during times of calm, What's going to happen when trouble breaks loose like the Jordan in flood stage? Man, does it surprise you that right here God's basic answer to uh, Jeremiah's discouragement is buck up, buttercup? <laughs> We've got bigger mountains to tackle than the molehills you're whining about right now. That shouldn't be a surprise that occasionally that's God's answer to our complaints. I mean, Jesus made it clear when he said, come follow me, and to do that, you have to take up your cross and deny yourself, because sometimes self sees where Jesus is, is taking us, and we're like, I don't know if I want to go there. But Jesus says, listen, this journey that I invited you on, yeah, it's difficult, it's a crazy ride, but we're not racing against men, we're racing against horses. I mean, here at Adventure, that's why we say life's greatest adventure is knowing God. And when you lean into him, yeah, it can get difficult, but there's, there's, there's so much joy that comes from it. But God said, uh, God said this, this road, this narrow road, will not, will not always be easy. There will be hardships. You will get discouraged. And to quote uh, the Italian stallion, this world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. But as followers of Christ, there's no reason for us to let it because we got Christ. We have Jesus as our, as our partner. We yoke ourselves to, to him. Our burdens aren't for us to carry alone. So I don't, I don't know what you're going through today. If you're feeling defeated, Maybe you feel like giving up. 
Maybe you're tired of fighting. I get it. I have been there. But I want to encourage you. Wherever you're discouraged, wherever you are discouraged in your life, whether it be your marriage that you're fighting for, your career, your job, your dreams, or even your faith, I want to plead with you, do not give up. Do not stop fighting. Because I want you to think about this. Maybe it's time to, to start fighting smarter. Because that old saying of just keep trying. You know, try, if you fail, you know, try again. Try again. Try harder. I mean, that only gets you so far. Maybe if you're really, there's a part of your life that's really discouraged, trying harder is not the answer. Maybe, maybe uh, trying smarter is the answer. Now, certainly we have God as a help. But what I want to talk to you today, as far as, far as fighting smarter, is some of the tools that God has given us. And so, number one, let's talk about fighting discouragement and fighting smart. And I think we all would agree that our number one resource for fighting smart is God's Word. So look with me there in Psalms 119.97. It says, Oh, how I love all you've revealed in your Word. I reverently ponder it all day long. Your commands give me an edge on my enemies. They never become an, uh, obsolete. I'm even, I even become smarter than my teacher since I've pondered and absorbed your counsel. I become wiser than those wide, wise old sages simply by doing what you tell me to do. So anytime that you're feeling discouraged, the, your first go-to question to yourself of why are you so discouraged should be this. Is there, is there some disobedience in my life that's causing this? Is there a part of my life where I am not following God's word? Because that could answer your, your question and solve your problem right there. It's just simply start being obedient. Listen, if you're struggling with disobedience with God in your life, it's no wonder you're discouraged because you're going, away, you're going against God. You're running with men. Not running with Jesus. You want to run with men, you'll be discouraged. But Jesus says there in your notes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And part of running with Jesus is understanding that his way is always the smartest way, his way is always the right way, and his way is always the healthy way. Running with horses. Now, as I mentioned earlier, some days we just wake up with this funk, right, this cloud, and we can't, uh, can't fight through it. Some days, you know, we, we get news that, you know, things aren't going too well. I remember uh, not too long ago, uh, I just got some uh, discouraging news and uh, um, some financial, uh, financial bill that came, and it just upset me. And, you know, you know, we get those bills that we didn't see coming. That doctor bill decided he wanted to charge you an ungodly amount just for coming by and saying, hi, doctor. And, uh, well, at least that's how it felt. And uh, if you're a doctor in the house, I apologize. But <laughs> Anyways, you know, I just kind of uh, ruined my day and my evening. I just got up. Then the next morning, I just didn't want to get up. Just feeling discouraged. And, and I just wanted to go back to bed. We've all had those days. But I, I wasn't going to let discouragement keep me from living my life and following Christ. And so I, I, I know how to fight discouragement. I know how to, how to fight it, you know, wisely. And that's with Jesus, 
not without him. And so here's a couple of, uh, let me give you a couple of sub points of, of how to fight smart. And so A there, you've got to continue your, your normal spiritual practices even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't feel like getting out of bed, you've got to get out of bed. And even if you don't feel like going about your normal spiritual practices, you've, you've got to do it. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and strength of his, ni- his might. Put on the whole armor of God, no matter how you feel, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, because they're coming. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not racing against men. No, we're racing against horses, against rulers, against authorities, powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. So that morning, that's what I did. Um, Even though I felt discouraged, Holy Spirit kicked my butt out of bed, and I went to my living room and did my morning devotions just as I do on a normal day. And here is the scripture that I read that morning. This was the opening scripture of my devotions that morning. It was Psalm 55, 22. And it said this, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. And that's what happened. Now let me be clear. He sustained me. Now my mood didn't change greatly. I didn't all of a sudden become my chipper self, but he sustained me. I was able to keep going. And so as I begin my day, I'm still discouraged, but the Lord is sustaining me, and he reminds me, there's some spiritual practices that you can continue on your day to help fight through this discouragement. And so B, this is what I did. I, just, I was convicted to focus the rest of my day, not on my discouragement, but what is, but what is pure and right. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if if anything is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, Tony uh, referenced this uh, verse last week. We, We reference it a lot because it is invaluable in fighting the enemy and fighting discouragement of rethinking your situation by focusing on what is pure and right. And you can do that no matter what you're doing in your day. And not just that, to continue all of your spiritual practices, whatever they might be. Verse 9, Paul goes on to say, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so you have to keep practicing your, your spiritual habits. Stay involved with your church, your Bible study, your prayers, your tithing, your worship, your serving the Lord, your serving the church. Keep practice these things and more. And, the, and Paul says, the peace of God will be with you. You'll be able to sustain yourself and fight through the discouragement. However, understand that spiritual practices that help us fight through stress and discouragement aren't always action, aren't always doing. In fact, they actually begin with being. And and that leads to point number two, the fighting smart, is being able to rest often. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Again, Psalms, good reference to fighting discouragement. Along with that, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, which means, which, 
which, which means he is who sustains us. And so you can't be still and consume the bread of life, or you, you can't be active and consume the bread of life. You have to be still in order to consume the bread of life. And you can't sustain your spiritual strength without stopping and resting and having a Sabbath with Jesus. You cannot sustain your spiritual strength without this spiritual practice in your life. You know, I was talking with uh, Pastor Tony um, last week uh, before uh, he left on his journey down the Mississippi, and, and uh, we just got to chatting about his strategy and uh, getting down the river and, and, uh, and all the things that that was going to entail. And so one of the things that, that come up was that uh, he and his group had decided that every Sunday they were going to Sabbath. They were going to rest. They weren't going to be paddling down to the Mississippi. And uh, just get you know regaining their strength and energy, and and so that that is what will help sustain them throughout their journey. But the temptation will be this: if they get behind in their schedule, the temptation will be to, hey, you know what? We're a little behind. Let's just push through. I'm, I'm, I think we can do it. But it's not a wise strategy. That's running with men, not running with horses. Running with Jesus. So sometimes. Running, running with horses means we're going to be still and know that he is God. The wisest choice. Stopping and resting with Jesus, consuming our bread of life, is running with horses and is exceedingly more rewarding and successful in the long run. Look at Deuteronomy 5.15. It says, it says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Keep that part of your regular routine. So if, if you don't regularly Sabbath and rest, and I'm not just talking about attend church, but, but resting and recognizing God is God and Christ is with you, if that is not something that you regularly do, then you have made yourself a slave to something. So if you are disheartened today, then could it possibly be because you have chosen to make yourself a slave to something or to someone? So think about that for a moment. Who or what have you become a slave to? Because if you've done that, then let today be the day that you let Jesus break those chains because you can make a commitment right now. Yeah, you've been following Christ for a long time, but you don't hardly ever Sabbath. And you actually ran out ahead of him because his pace is not too fast, it's not too slow. He's always right on time. All right, number three, after you've done a lot of these spiritual practices and you're beginning to make some some progress in fighting your discouragement. You've got to think big. Isaiah 55, another, uh, another uh, scripture we often reverence. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than all your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts. And again, we, we do uh, reference this often. I think it's familiar to a lot of you. But I want, I want to just quickly and simply help you arm yourself with this verse and use it uh, uh, towards fighting discouragement. You see, 
Knowing that God's ways are higher means that he has the, the advantage. He has the 10,000 foot view of our lives. He sees down right where we're at, but he also sees our beginning and our end. And knowing that, and then adding in, knowing that Jesus is the light of the world, that's what helps you fight discouragement, fight your failures, fight, fight your losses, fight your hurts. And here's how it does by thinking big. We think big by using our imaginations. I mean, you don't have to be a creative person to use your imagination. Our imaginations are one of the things that makes us human. I mean, mankind would have never gone into space, landed on the moon, if someone hadn't, hadn't imagined the possibilities. In fact, most of everything that mankind has accomplished was accomplished because somebody imagined it possible. So again, this is a good spiritual practice to, uh, to engage in when the devil is after you, when he's trying to beat you down and bring you down. Start imagining what God might be doing in your difficult situation. Maybe God's got you in that struggle or wanting to bring you through that struggle but because he's preparing you for something or he wants you to learn something. You see, when we, when we say, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's, on one hand, he's saying, you know, I, I am truth and I bring truth into the world. But he's also saying, I, I bring hope into the darkness and I bring hope into your darkness. And I light up possibilities of what, of what might be to come. But when we stay in the valley with our eyes closed and our head buried, God doesn't give up on us. When we pull up the covers over our head and just refuse to look for the light, look for hope, God is still good. And he's willing to, as soon as we pull those covers down, shine that light, even in retrospect. Remember the story of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet Elijah? Well, go, don't have time for the entire details, but <clears throat> there's a story where, where Elijah is taking on, of course, with God, um, the prophets of, of Baal. And all these uh, hundreds, thousands of prophets of Baal takes them on. And so wins a great victory and is able to, uh, able to show that God is God and Baal's a false god. He's no god at all. And so after this victory, he's in the mountains hiding. And he's depressed, he's discouraged, and uh, he, is, he is just uh, hiding, hiding his head. And finally, God, God shows up. And here in our uh, notes, if you follow along, we'll pick up the story it should sound familiar to uh, some of you. First Kings 19. It says, God shows up, showed up. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and, over his face and went out and stood at the mount, mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why am I here, Elijah? So Elijah replies, Lord, 
I've been zealous for you. The Israelites, however, have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. Poor old me. It's just me left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And here's God's response. Listen, I think there's a little bit of a buck up buttercup right here. He says, listen, Elijah, I've reserved a few, no, 7,000 in Israel who ha whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So think about your own situation today with all the bad news, the anti-God sentiment that prevails in our culture. It can seem like God is losing if you're focusing on all of the, the bad stuff. It can seem like we're losing. It can seem like things are hopeless. And this can cause you, if that is your focus, this can cause you to live a cautious life, not a life of faith. It will breed distrust of God and those who follow him. So listen, no matter what your political, no matter what the political or social or economical environment is, followers of Jesus shine their light by always thinking big, that his ways are higher, that he is in control, and you cannot fight through the funk without using the imagination that God has given you and just imagining what he can do. But we don't just um, think big. On the flip side of that, we live small because we don't want to live big. So number four, Look at 1 Timothy 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is of great gain, for we brought nothing to this, into this world. We can take nothing out of it. So if you want to fight through your discouragement, you can't be carrying a heavy load from this world. You, you can't be living big in this world, running this rat race, trying to get the most out of this world, consumed with stuff and status. That is running with men. Living small, however, is running with horses. It's running with Jesus. As Jesus says there in your notes, I am the good shepherd. Because I sustain, I provide, I take care of you. I, I am your provision, your helper, your counselor. The more you try to live big in this world, the more you will be discouraged no matter how much stuff you've accumulated or accomplished, you'll always be found wanting. But it doesn't have to be that way if you're running with Jesus, your great shepherd. So if you're wondering whether you live small or not, just meditate on that as I read a few of these scripture, scriptures that deal with living small and being content. 1 Timothy 2 says, the first thing, he says, the first thing I want you to do, Timothy, is to pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially for the rulers and, and governments to rule, so, to rule well so we can be quietly about our business of living. Living simple and humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior wants us to live. Or you can post on Facebook and complain about the government, you know, either way. 
1 Corinthians 7.32, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we are, you were told. You know, living small is about keeping your load light in this world. You can't be holding on to this world tightly and live small and be content. And maybe, maybe you're discouraged because you've got too, too tight a grip on this world and its stuff. Maybe it's time to lighten that load a little bit. Live a little simpler. You'll be surprised at how, how that will just begin to remove the fog of discouragement in your life. And then finally, before we close, really to, in order to sustain a healthy spiritual life, not just fight discouragement, to, but in order to sustain you know, this healthy life with Christ, you've got to find ways to celebrate. And you've got to take advantage of those opportunities when they come to celebrate. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. But do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse, that verse kind of wraps up you know, all of our points today. You know, I think one of the most discouraging things that we endured through uh, uh, COVID was uh, it was hard to celebrate at times because you got to get together to celebrate. It's really hard to throw a party of one. I mean, that's not really a party. And one of the, one of the uh, ways that every culture likes to celebrate, no matter where you're at in the world, is through weddings. And we've, been have, we've had a lot of backlog of weddings, weddings that were put off. But weddings uh, were something that Jesus enjoyed. In fact, one of the first miracles recorded of Jesus was him doing the, changing the water into wine at the wedding, which tells us two things. Number one, Jesus liked a good celebration. But number two, they are important. So important that Jesus kept the wine flowing. You know, I've got a wedding to go to in July. My, uh, my nephew is uh, getting married. And I'm looking forward to celebrating and dancing with my uh, family and friends. And uh, then afterwards, I'm really looking forward to uh, going to Estes uh, a Park in Colorado because I'm celebrating my 25th anniversary with my wife. And so we're really looking forward to that. We, uh, we early on in our marriage, we decided to to plan every five years of our anniversary to do something special. You know, every year we celebrate our anniversary, but every five years we committed, you know, we want to go somewhere and really, really celebrate our marriage. And that, is, that has been a key in keeping our, our marriage alive and thriving, is that we make celebrating our relationship a priority. And we do that with, with people that we love. You know, birthdays. But do you do that with God? Do you celebrate your relationship with God? In just a few moments, we're going to give you that opportunity. Now there in your notes it says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
and communion. Communion is, is one of the, the best ways that we celebrate our relationship with Christ. And so in just a, it's just a few moments, we will drink from that cup. And it's an opportunity to celebrate your life with Christ, your relationship with Christ. And, and when you do that, when you drink from the cup this morning, you are, you are celebrating your relationship with Jesus and you are proclaiming his resurrection and yours to come. And it's an opportunity to reaffirm that you do not run with men. You run with horses. You run with Jesus. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, forgive us uh, for getting caught up in the rat race of our culture and running with men. Lord, I know you look down at us and shake our head, shake your head, because you know that there's an easier way. But we like to choose the hard way, the frustrating way sometimes. So, Father, we realize that your ways are higher. You see the way out of our discouragement. And so my prayer this morning is that, uh, is that with uh, the help of your spirit, if there's anybody here this morning that's really discouraged, whether it be in their relationships, their, their jobs, or, or maybe even their faith, that uh, they will not give up fighting. They will fight smart, reevaluate, rethink what they're focusing on, maybe get rid of some stuff that they're holding on to, live a little simpler. But Lord, help us all, no matter what kind of junk or funk is going on, help us to celebrate. Help us to celebrate, uh, um, at the very least, our life with you. Because our life with you is, is forever. And we are very grateful for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.